My brothers and sisters in the Lord, I find oftentimes in the Gospels, we sort of love when Jesus tells a parable or a story and he kind of really puts the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes on the spot. It's really directed at them, even though many times they don't realize it themselves until later on. Here Jesus is telling this little story, this little parable about the two sons and who does the father's will. The first son who says, I am not going into the field, but he realizes it wasn't the right thing to do, it wasn't the right thing to say, it wasn't the obedient thing, and so he goes and he fulfills his father's will. The younger son, he has all the right words. I'm going, pop, count me in. And he's out the back door. You see, my brothers and sisters, as Jesus ends this little parable, he says to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes are inheriting the kingdom. I bet their faces got really red when they heard those words. Why? Because the prostitutes and the tax collectors who were considered the sinners, they were inheriting the kingdom because they heard the proclamation of John. And what was the proclamation of John? It was the proclamation of repentance and the coming of the Messiah. Prepare the way. And the Pharisees, they had all the right words. But their actions didn't correspond. Their choices didn't correspond. You see, my brothers and sisters, this gospel is a lot about our choices. And as one author put it recently, we live in a country, we live in a society, we live in a world of unkept promises. Our promises, our choices, the things that we make, we say one thing and then we do another. Our words and our actions don't correspond. You see, my brothers and sisters, I think it's important for all of us not just to think of Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes and say to ourselves, you tell them, Jesus, because you know what? Jesus is speaking to each of us. And in our own hearts, we have to ask ourselves in the various elements of our lives, which son are we in the parable? Are we the first who says, yes, Lord, amen, praise Jesus, sing a hymn? And then we go out into the world and we live our life as if the Lord didn't exist or as if the Lord only existed in church on Sunday. You've heard me tell this little limerick before. There was a man who went to church and never missed a Sunday. But when he died, he went to hell for what he did on Monday. Are we like the older son or the first son? Or the, we like the second son? You see, my brothers and sisters, the promises that we make, do we keep them? I remember reading very recently 
a little article a woman was writing, I think it was a blog, a blog article. And she was writing about the fact that she lost her husband many years ago. And at the time, she had three young children. And she remembers she was there at the wake. And she said, all these people came up to her. And they, were gonna, they said to her, oh, we're going to pray for you. And we're going to visit you. And we're going to bring meals to you. And we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And she said, when the funeral mass was over, I never saw them again. And I often wonder, my friends, even in my own life, I had to reflect on that. How many times do I use the words, I'm going to pray for you? And then I just move on with my life. You see, my brothers and sisters, do we keep the promises that we make? And are our actions reflected by the words that we speak? And it's not always easy to keep those promises. C.S. Lewis writes in his own autobiography about a little event in his own life. He was in World War I, and he had a very good friend who was in the war with him. His friend asked him to make a promise, a commitment. He said, if I die in the war, will you take care of my wife and my children? And C.S. Lewis said, yes, I will do that. Well, his friend died in the war, and C.S. Lewis went home. And he kept his promise. And he writes in his autobiography, he says, that woman was so ungrateful and so miserable and so mean. But I made a promise to my friend. And no matter how she treated me or how unappreciative she was, I had to remain faithful to the promise. You see, my friends, the same is true for each of us. This Sunday, we celebrate Respect Life Sunday. Do we remain faithful to our commitment to respect life? Because certainly, every time we profess our faith, on Easter Sunday, when we renew our baptismal promises, we renew the fact that we believe in God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, that we reject sin and Satan and all his empty ways and promises. And inherent in that is the message of the gospel of life. So when we make those promises, are those just empty words that we speak because we're going through the motions, or do our actions say that we stand for life? Even in the most difficult circumstances and situations, from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death and everywhere in between, because every human person, every child, is a gift from God. But oftentimes, our brothers and sisters, our society tells us that life is a burden and it's not a gift. It's a burden and it's not a blessing. But as Christians and as Catholics, we stand for the fact that all life is created in the image and likeness of our God. And we have to make a choice. And if we make that choice, and we make that promise, and we're committed to the gospel of life, then we have to stand true. It cannot just be empty words. It can't just be a sign that we put on our front lawn. It has to mean that our very actions radiate the message and the gospel of life. An interesting statistic. In many health insurance plans, 
maybe now with government regulations, it's mandatory, I'm really not sure, but in many health insurance plans, prenatal screening is covered. Now, I don't know a whole lot about prenatal screening, but according to this article, the most common reason that it's used is in order to find genetic defects in children. It's the most common reason for this type of screening. And the article went on to say that it was very common in the U.S. for about 10,000 children to be born each year with Down syndrome. However, in the past few years, that number has decreased about 80%. And the reasons why is not because there was a cure for Down syndrome in the womb. The reason it's decreased about 80% is because when that genetic defect, quote-unquote, was found, those children were aborted. Because we said their life had no meaning. Because we said that their life was incompatible with our definition of life. But you see, my brothers and sisters, that's just one example. And certainly, my friends, some people will say to me, well, Father, you do not have a child with special needs. And I don't. But I've spoke to parents who have. And they have told me time and time again that they would never make another decision because the child is a gift. And will they say it has brought suffering? Yes. But as we know, my brothers and sisters, every single gift no matter what it is, is going to have a threat of suffering. We know that in every part of our life. I love the words of the Lubach when he says that the thread of suffering is what weaves together the tapestry of joy. And so if we're to proclaim the good news of great joy, yes, there's going to be some suffering. But you see, my friend, if we stand for what is right and good and true and beautiful each and every day, then we have gone into the vineyard. We have said yes to the Father. Some of you may be familiar with this. You can Google it on the internet. There was an open letter written a few years back by a father to a pediatrician. It's actually a letter of forgiveness about what had happened. And I'm not going to read the whole letter. It's several pages long. But I just want to read you just a few excerpts. This is the father writing to the physician sometime later. He says, my name is Eric Brown. And my wife and I sat down in your office on the afternoon of March 21st, 2012. We had just finished our 20-week ultrasound and were sent by our midwife to meet with you. The news that you delivered that day has changed our lives forever. You walked in, carrying what I'm guessing is an old medical encyclopedia. You thumbed through the yellowed pages until you found your mini post-it notes. And then you said the words, holoprocess epiphenia. And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Those are the words we couldn't pronounce. Never heard of it, actually. In fact, we asked you to write it down so that we could look it up online when we went home. After you delivered those words, you showed us the pictures, and you advised us to head right over and terminate her life. We didn't know it at the time, 
but her name was Pearl, and you advised us to end Pearl's life. Think about it for a moment. An ultrasound and an old encyclopedia is all it took for you to already give up on our baby girl. We said no, and you became visibly frustrated. You said to us, what? Do you guys need to see more pictures? As if these children in your old dusty books do not bear the image of the same creator as you do. As if they are horrific looking, nameless statistics, and not actually someone's children. And if someone's appearance or productivity validates their humanity, then we, my dear doctor, are in a very sad society. The letter goes on. Just type in the words Pearl Brown if you want to read the whole letter. It's there on the internet. But you see, my friends, how easy it is, and we may not be a physician or a pediatrician, but we may know somebody who needs to be given not a message of despair, but a message of hope. That's why we have this image of Our Lady here, the image of Our Lady of Hope for Respect Life Month. Because no matter what the suffering, no matter what the despair, we always have hope and we always stand for life and we know that God will always provide. Which son are we in the gospel? Are we the one who does the Father's will? Are we the one who says all the right things? But when the going gets tough, we're out the back door. May God grant us the grace to stand for the gospel of life.